Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsnetwork.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And as always, lots is going on in technology. They've now looked at the voting machines out there, and they're still easy to hack if you've got physical access to them. Mm -hmm. So there are, you know, some warnings out there for the local voting districts to be mindful of their voting machines. Google has built a 53-qubit computer that has achieved quantum supremacy. And I'll talk about what that means later. There are grave warnings about using Internet Explorer. Really? Yeah. They're, they're, you, you can go to a website, and if you're using Internet Explorer, they can just take over your computer. So there is an urgent request. Well, that sounds very nice. To stop using Internet Explorer immediately. And, of course, but there are many good options out there. Well, yeah, and I stopped using Explorer, I don't know, five years ago. Exactly. So but now it's getting serious because there are ser- – and even Microsoft is telling people to dump Internet Explorer. Mm. And of course, they want you to move over over to their newer, of course they do. their newer browser, Edge. Um, I've got something. I've got a couple of converters here. If you if you got an have you ever got had a, like a song on a YouTube video and then you want to convert it to MP3? Well, they That's you know YouTube makes it difficult to do. I've got a couple of websites that will do that for uh-huh. you. You simply paste in the uh, the link to your uh, to the YouTube video and it will and it will create the mp3 system that's the, news you can use that's right there is a battery breakthrough tesla has been doing research on batteries it's you know eventually i think electric cars are going to make sense but it's all based on battery technology and we've got a major breakthrough in battery technology i'll be talking about they did they uh, they did a survey on uh, phishing emails and they discovered that people are more confident that they can recognize a phishing email than they really should be. And the reason for that is they just don't really understand how to recognize and sort out phishing emails Hmm. accurately. And, of course, uh, this week we're going to feature on Profiles in IT Alexis O'Banian. Alexis O'Banian, he's he's co-founder of Reddit. How would you like to have that first name, Alexis? And be a guy? No, uh, no, I would not. Yeah, at least it's not Alexa. Right. I th- if right. It were, if it were Alexa, well, I he thought they would, would not be able to even even talk about. Uh, it's a guy. Yeah. When we when we first when I first read the outline this morning, I thought it was a woman because no. Alexis is a woman's name. Yeah, no, it's Alexis Carey O'Banian, and uh, no, it's a guy. Definitely a guy if you see him on the internet. And of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Alexis yeah, showed up for work. Oh, very good. We got an email from Cheryl in Kansas. Dear Doc and Jim, someone has taken over my Facebook account. I'm having trouble getting it back. What should I do, Cheryl in Kansas? 
Well, Cheryl, it actually is uh, difficult. If, if a hacker breaks into your Facebook account and changes your login information, or if you forget your password and, can no longer, and you no longer have access to the email address or the phone number that you use to set up the account, you can use the automated account recovery tool. Now, the trouble is that automated account recovery tool is not very effective. It, uh, it can get you in a do loop that tells you just to try this again, try this again, try this again, try this again, and you can never, you can never break out of it. And they've, uh, they really haven't fixed their automated account recovery tool. Um, it may work for you if, you're, if, if you've actually registered with your Facebook account uh, a phone number or another email so they could email you. So it does work, but it always doesn't work. Now, what? So, yeah, and, and, and you know, there are a lot of complaints about this because Facebook doesn't have it. And if it doesn't work, there's nobody to call. They, they're, they're, you try to call, you try to reach support at Facebook with all their billions of users. Yeah, they, you, you can't get through to a real person. Customer support, not support. That's right. So, so here's the key, Cheryl. I mean, if you try the automated recovery tool, best of luck. It's probably a probably a fifty fifty chance you can get your uh, account back. But here's what you want to do if you once you get your account back, if you don't want to lose your account again. First of all, don't click on phishing emails because there are a lot of phishing emails that have that will take you to um, a lot of phishing emails that trick you to think they're from Facebook. And then you log into what you think is your Facebook account and you've just given them your username and password. Ah. So just phishing emails are the number one way that people, you know, give up their credentials. Choose a password that's easy to remember but difficult to guess. You know, so don't, you know, don't pick one, two, three, four. Don't pick those kind of, you know, pick something that's, uh, that's, that's, you know, that's difficult to guess but easy to remember. So, you know, you could, you know, it could be, you know, maybe your favorite song when you were, when, you, when you were seven or when you were 20 and you just take the first letter of each thing in that song. So something that's easy for you to remember right. but somebody else couldn't guess. Now, I think this is the, the most important thing. Enable two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. Because then even if somebody has your password and they log on to your account, it will send a text message to your cell phone. And then you have to enter in the six-digit code that was sent to you via, email, via text message in order to actually access the account. And, you just, and, they, and, and Facebook won't let you guess, you know, a thousand times. You guess three times and then it's, it's, it's three over. Three strikes and you're out. So two-factor authentication is probably the safest thing to do to protect your Facebook account. Now, another thing that you may want to do, this is really important if you lose your account, your trusted contacts. You want to go in there because, okay, suppose you finally do get through the automated recovery tool successfully. You're going to reach a point where you have to prove you are who you said you are. Yeah. And so what they're going to say, they're going to say, well, who are your trusted contacts? And then they will contact those people and they will verify that, in fact, you have lost your account and they'll verify information about you. So your trusted contacts, if, in fact, the account recovery tool is working properly, it'll eventually come to the tr trusted contacts point of view point and and they will be very instrumental in helping you prove your identity. And so log into Facebook and add a few trusted contacts. And then as soon as, as, soon as you think your account has been hijacked, contact your trusted contacts and have them look for an email because they'll receive an email from Facebook. Ah. Okay? So uh, that's really important. Now also periodically check for any rogue apps because if somebody – 
has lo- has gotten into your account, they could they could install a rogue app inside of your Facebook uh, Facebook account, and it could you know take data. You don't know what it's going to do. So if if there's an app that's been installed in your Facebook your Facebook account that you don't recognize, just delete it. Now this is another thing you've got to watch. You know when you're in a in a chat session or an instant message session, and somebody sends you a video. If you open that video, you might be actually letting somebody get into your account. Mm. So my my and so if somebody sends you a video, you got to know that that is really that person and then you got to be certain that that video is safe to watch. So fact is, I just would never watch a video when I'm using a chat session or an instant messenger. It's just too risky. And then finally, Never use your Facebook account to log into a third-party website. You know, you, you you log into some website and they'll say, well, you can create a new account. you got to get a password, give your name, give your email address. Or you can just log in with Facebook. And then you log in with Facebook and that third-party account then has your all your Facebook credentials. So, uh-huh. so if you don't do – if you do those seven things, it's much less likely that your Facebook account would ever get stolen. We got an email from Phil in Missouri. Dear Tech Talk, I'm building a cabin on my property for guests. He must have a big. He must have a big. Uh, he must have a big, big plot of land. Yeah, the cabin will be huge tract of land. Yeah, the ca- power. The cabin will be powered by solar, augmented with a generator when needed, and heated with a gas heating system. The cabin's about three quarters of a mile from the main house. Now, I'd like to get internet access to the cabin, but I don't want to run an underground cable. I don't want to use an expensive satellite connection. What I really want to do is connect the Internet in the house to the cabin so I can just, you know, piggyback on the house and I don't have to pay any more money for the Internet connection. Now, you know, is there any way that I can get Internet access out to this cabin, which is three-quarters of a mile away, you know, in in, in sort of a cost-effective way? I don't want to spend more than $1,000. It's too far for Wi-Fi, right? It's too far for Wi-Fi, three-quarters of a— Could you yeah, do, like, a Wi-Fi hop? Could you do, like, a series of, like, repeaters? Oh, you could. Yeah, but, but then— But that would be expensive, wouldn't it? And then you'd have to get power to all the repeaters. That's true. That's going to so be it expensive. So it would be a project, three-quarters of a— But here's the thing. You can actually get a wireless Ethernet link where you, you put Ethernet at one end, and then you go to a dish, that, and then you send the signal through the air to the other dish antenna— and then it comes out as Ethernet there. And so it's as though you've just got an Ethernet cable that's three-quarters of a mile long. Wow. And then the original Ethernet cable in the house is plugged directly into the router. Okay. Into the router. And so you, it's basically like it allows you to have what is effectively an Ethernet cable that's three-quarters of a mile long. But, so it's, but it's wireless it's in the wireless. middle. It's wireless in the middle between the two dishes. And it's got enough range to cover that? Yeah. This particular – this is Ubiquity Power Beam AC. Ubiquity Power Beam AC. It has a 25 kilometer range. Wow! This is this is a That's 20. Serious. This is a 20 inch dish, and uh, it's really a nice system. And so you 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 basically, you've got to you know if you look at the kit, you you got to assemble the dish. You got to put the you got a transmitter on one uh, on one side. You got transmitters receiver at both ends, because you you you're sending signals back and forth, and then you 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 know you assemble your dish. You put in this, the transmitter receiver module. And then you connect the Ethernet cable to it. <clears throat> well, the receiver and the transmitter both need power. So this is power over Ethernet. So basically the, the power comes through the Ethernet connection. And so you basically mount this outside of the cabin, mount the, 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 the dish outside of the cabin, outside of the house, bring the Ethernet cable in, 
At the house side, you plug the Ethernet cable into your router. And then on the cabin side, you can I, what I would do, I'd plug the Ethernet uh, cable into a second router in the cabin so you got Wi-Fi in the cabin. Mm-hmm. And you're basically using the, using the um, extender to, to get that Wi-Fi down there. Now, you can get the Ubiquiti Powerbeam AC for around $292 on Amazon, which isn't really bad. And it doesn't come with all – now, the trouble is it doesn't come with the, the poles to mount it on. So, so you'll have to get a pole to mount it on, and, you know, how, how you mount it is probably a little bit of work. But if you go to, if you go to Amazon, there are – you can see different posts that people have purchased when they get this, this particular device. I went <clears> – <throat> I actually haven't used this particular device, but I, I downloaded the uh, – the user manual. I want to see how complicated it was to set up. It actually pretty simple to set up, and uh, um, and I looked at the reviews. The reviews were fantastic. People mm. said, "Man, this thing just pairs up. It works right away." So I think that's really a good option for you. Um, I think that's really a good option for you, Philip. There, so that that Ubiquity Power Beam AC, and actually the cabin could be 25 kilometers away, but you have to have line of sight. That's the key. You must have line of sight. We got an email from Alan in Fairfax. Dear Doc and Jim, I do product research for a local company and often find myself having to scan long web pages for a word or a phrase. I've got Firefox, but it takes me forever to scroll down through the page looking for this thing. Hmm. Is there is there a way to search for the word using my Firefox browser? Well, actually, there's a very easy way to search for a word or a phrase in any. It, using any web browser, including Firefox, all you have to do is hit Control-F. Now, F means find. Control-F. That You press down that key, and a, little, and a little search box comes up. And it doesn't matter which browser you're in, Firefox, all the browsers, and you just type in the word you want. And then it turns out that the first instance of the word, is, it'll show up as kind of, it'll be highlighted in yellow. And you, then you just click Next. And you get the next instance, instance of the word. So it, it's really a nice tool. By the way, Control-F works on a lot of programs, just not on browsers. It's just it's really a good keyboard shortcut to, uh, to keep in mind. Now, there's also, just while we're at keyboard shortcuts, there's an easy way. Have you ever been looking at the web page and you'd like to make it bigger or smaller kind of conveniently? Yes, the page itself. The page itself. Yeah. You can hit the Control key. And while you're holding the control key, just rotate the mouse wheel, and it makes the and it makes the uh, makes the page get smaller yeah. and larger. Just kind of a, it's not really your. You didn't want really to ask that question, Alan, but uh, but I just think it's a nice thing to know since we're talking about keyboard shortcuts. We got an email from Brian in Los Angeles. Dear Tech Talk, do you know when Microsoft is planning to release Windows 11? If memory serves me right, they always release a new version every three years or so, and it's been four years since Windows 10 came out. I'd like to buy a new laptop, but I want to wait until Windows 11 comes out. Well, see, maybe Microsoft wants to catch up to Apple because now Apple is like is like iPhone 11. Maybe maybe they want to maybe they want to keep those numbers going. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, iPhone 99. Yeah, actually, Brian, there will never be an iPhone 11. Microsoft made a decision to move away from what they called the to move away from that big release uh, cycle and go what they call the rolling update process for Windows 10. Instead of periodically releasing a new version, they just keep rolling out updates, rolling out updates. Okay, so every six months, they've got a, a, a feature update. So they do a major feature update twice a year, and they do bug fixes 
and maintenance updates once a month. And occasionally more often when situations, usually security situations, require it. Now, this biannual major feature update there means that there are no new versions of Simply. They're simply updates on Windows 10. Now, uh, as soon as Windows 7 and Windows 8 uh, are no longer supported by Microsoft and everybody moves to Windows 10, it's going to make it a lot easier for Microsoft to sort of maintain it. They'll just have one operating system. They won't have to go back and whenever they make an upgrade, make it backward compatible for three different prior versions. They'll just be on Windows 10. It also makes it a lot easier for developers. So if you want to buy a new laptop, just go right ahead. You know, you don't have to wait for the next Windows because it'll always be Windows 10 as long as you're on it. We got an email from Knock in Ohio. Dear Tech Talk, I'm afraid that someone has my Gmail password and I can't figure out how to change my Gmail password mm. so they don't steal the account. Thanks, Knock. Well, uh, yeah, if you think somebody's got it, log into your Gmail account right away and then click on the... Click on your email address. Click on your account symbol in the upper right-hand corner. There will be a drop-down menu, and then there one line is account. Click on account, and then under that, and then a menu will come up. Click on security, and then you'll see something that says click on. Cl you'll see it says change password. Click on that, and there'll be a dialog box that will come up. You'll have to put in your current password, and then you'll be asked to put in your new password twice. So that's what you can that's what you can do, and I, I do that right away. But while you're in there, while you're in that security section, I'd recommend that you implement two-factor authentication, because then that way, if any if anybody did get your get your password by chance in the future, they won't be able to log into your account because they won't have your cell phone. So I would get two-factor authentication set up on your Gmail account pronto. We got, an email from, we got an email from Barbie in Reston. Dear Tech Talk, I just updated my iPhone to iOS 13, and now my battery life has been cut in half. Oof. Whew. Is there a way to fix it? Well, Barbie, that is a major complaint about iOS 13. In fact, I've been complaining about that all week. It is terrible. When iOS 13 came out, the, um, the, the battery life just went, to, went south. Mm -hmm. And so... And there were actually there were a lot of uh, bugs in iOS 13, so they 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 immediately came out with iOS 13.1. That was about a week ago, and then just yesterday they came out with iOS update iOS 13.1.1, and the .1.1 addresses the battery life. So uh -huh. so Barbie, go immediately to your iPhone, click on settings, then click on general, and then click on software update. And activate the update to get iOS 13.1.1. Uh, yeah, there's also one other thing you, you may have noticed once you got iOS 13. It keeps asking you, do, do you want to give this app permission to use Bluetooth? you want to give this app permission to use it all? They're coming up all the time. you got all these permissions coming up. It turned out in prior versions, apps could use Bluetooth whenever they wanted. There was no security control over it. They could just go there and use it to their heart's content. But you see, there's been so much Bluetooth abuse where, like, say, shopping malls track you with your Bluetooth signal. They know where you're at. And so, and so these um, apps were using Bluetooth for nefarious reasons. And so now, uh, with iOS 13, Apple implemented more Bluetooth security. So now and you have to give the app permission to use Bluetooth. And, of course, since the apps were configured prior to 13, 
that permission field was not filled out. So now every time you use an app for the first time, you're going to get a, a pop-up pop-up window that says, can this app use Bluetooth? So I think that's really a good thing. A little annoying until you give out, get all the permissions set, but I think it's really a good thing that they've done. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2. Watch us do the program by following us on Periscope and downloading us. First, you have to download the, dev- the app to your device and then follow us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Alexis Carey Obanian. Alexis Carey O'Banion is best known as co-founder and executive chairman of the social news website Reddit. O'Banion was born April 24, 1983 in Brooklyn, New York. He graduated from Howard High School in Ellicott City, Maryland in 2001. So he's a local boy. Local guy. Yeah. In 2005, he graduated from University of Virginia with a Bachelor of Science in Commerce and History. Now, during the spring break of his senior year at UVA, Alexis Oberman and his roommate, Steve Hoffman, drove to Boston to attend a lecture delivered by Paul Graham. Now, Hoffman and Obanian talked with Graham after the lecture, and he invited them to apply to his startup incubator, Y Combinator. So after graduation, Oberian and his roommate Hoffman... Huffman, by the way, was was a computer science guy. He was more of a programmer. They pitched Reddit.com to Y Combinator. Actually, that was the second thing they pitched to Y Combinator. The first one they the first pitch they made, uh, Paul Graham said, "Well, guys, that's not ready for prime time. Go back and give me something better." So they went back and they redid uh, they, they they rethought it out and they came up with Reddit.com. And they wanted to become the front page of the Internet. That was the goal, the front page of the Internet. They wanted uh, user-defined content that would be ranked and brought to the front. 
So there could be a crowdsourced front page of the Internet. That was the whole idea. So Reddit joined Y Combinator's first batch of startups. Okay, this was just starting then. Oh, it was a startup. Y Combinator was a startup then. So the first batch of startups at Y Combinator started in 2005, and Reddit was one of the first batch. So they started in the summer of 2005 at Y Combinator, and they started, you know, really getting headway. And then in 2006, just a year later, Condi Nash, which is a publisher, bought Reddit for between 10 and $20 million. Now, both of the founders, both uh, Huffman and O'Banion, they both regret that they sold it so soon because Reddit went on to be worth a lot of money. Now, Reddit's actually a website that's comprised of user-generated content and discussions of this content. It's essentially a bulletin board, but then it's got rankings and groups. You can you can join Reddit. It's interesting to look around. And they've got a lot of – they've got um, – right now, in 2018, Reddit was up to 330 million users. Now, you know what a Reddit user is called? No, I don't. A Redditor. No. <laughs> they have, That's almost too cute. I know. It's almost – so they have 330 million Redditors there. Uh, now – People want to know where the name Reddit came from. So where did the name Reddit come from? Well, Jim, I was waiting for you to ask. <laughs> it's a play on words. Reddit, like R-E-A-D it, I read it on Reddit. Ah. <laughs> you get it? It's a play on now. words. I read it on Reddit. And in 2010, O'Banion announced the launch of another company, DOS Capital. Capital. DOS Capital Capital. <laughs> which focused on startup investing. So he took his cut. I mean, they sold it for 10 to 20 million, so I guess he got half of that. So let's mm-hmm. say they sold it for 20 million. So he took his 10 million and and created a uh, uh you know, a startup fund to 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 fund other um, other startups and and they did startup investing, advising and consulting and count and uh, consulting. In 2010, he launched he also helped launch a travel site Hipmunk it turns out Huffman was co-founder of the Hipmunk, so he he helped them he helped them launch it as an advisor. That was in 2010. Then in uh, in 2010, he made another he he, he started another uh, capital fund, which he called um, uh, Initialized Capital. Initialized Capital. I, I don't like that name. And that made investments in startups. And, oh, they invested in Instacart. That that was a good investment. Zenefits, Open Door, and Cruise. And the only one I've really heard of there is Instacart. Um, I've never heard of Zenefits. Open Door, is that, is that a, um, I don't know, is that I've is heard that, of that, but I don't cuisine? know what it is. Is that cuisine that or is. something? Yeah, so he, he co-founded Initialized Capital, and that, that was a fund. Now, he became really a social activist for the Internet, I have to say. And remember, we had the big debate back in 2012 about the open Internet and uh, mm-hmm. Internet standards. And so... He advocated for the open internet back then. In fact, he he and the he and he and uh, one uh, he and, and he and the the, the the at that time the current CEO of Reddit rented a bus and they drove all around the the country in an in an open internet bus. You know, you know, trying to spread the word and beat the drum that we needed an open internet that that wasn't controlled by a few large companies and that we would we would not allow like the ISPs to control bandwidth on the Internet, should be open and all. So he was a huge advocate for the open inter- Internet. 
Forbes magazine dubbed him the mayor of the Internet <laughs> because he was, like, worried about open access on the Internet. He created the front page for the Internet. So they said, well, he's the mayor of the Internet. Now, it's from 2015 to 2018, from that time period, he, he went back to Reddit. See, after they sold it, he went on to this other stuff, and then— then they finally decided they wanted to get get back to their mission, so they brought him back. By that time, Reddit had been spun out as an independent company, uh, not part of Condé Nast, and uh, Condé Nast, and it was an independent. They brought him back to run it, and uh, and so he did. He did that for a while to try to, and and during that time period, they his focus was to get a mobile page going. They they wanted to redesign the website. He felt it looked like uh, looked like an archaic design. So he modernized the website, and they um, and then and he sort of did some technical you know retuning, and then he stayed there till 2018. Uh, during the around 2016, he 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 went back and he became a partner at Y Combinator, and and he started um, you know and he started you know mentoring and helping other startups. But he only stayed at Y Combinator for a year, and then he went on to uh, after, to start that initialized capital that I've already talked about before. Then, of course, because he's an activist on Internet, he started lobbying the FCC to support net neutrality. This was in 2014. And he did a he, – and he actually sponsored a day-long phone-a-thon to the FP, FCC and Congress where he had thousands of people calling the FCC and Congress lobbying for net neutrality. Now, in 2017, this is – he worked with a teenager, Ryolf Alhu Medhi – and he created a, 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 a hijab emoji. You know, if the uh, mm-hmm. Muslim uh, is, Islamic ladies wear hijab over their head, very, you know, like a scarf over their hair. And so they wanted to have a, an emoji that, that, would be, that would have a hijab on it. So he campaigned for hijab emoji and uh, helped w- with the designer. And he actually got that launched. So that to sort of make the uh, Internet more multicultural. Now... He ended up, his girlfriend, uh, you probably know his girlfriend, Serena Williams. I don't know her personally, but I've heard of her, yes. Yeah, Serena Williams, you know, the big tennis star. So they uh, uh, they got married. Uh, well, actually, uh, Serena got, uh, they had a baby and then they got married. I mean, it was a little bit backwards, but... But but she she stopped uh, she stopped uh, you know playing tennis for you know for the birth of her um, of her daughter and his daughter, and it was a very difficult birth. And in fact, uh, he almost uh, you know Serena Williams was you know you know almost was really died. Or I think it was yeah I heard she was yeah. And so <clears throat> he actually took off and stayed and took care of the baby for two months. And so he became an advocate for paternity leave. Because you know, usually they just have maternity leave for the mother, but he he had to take off and really, uh, and and really take care of Serena and the baby. So he took off for paternity leave, and uh, so the, his daughter. Now, now get this: his daughter's name is Alexis Olympian Obanian. Okay, there's something wrong with this, <laughs> huh? His daughter's name is the same as his. Yeah, that's. Uh... That, Keep see, moving. Alexis Olympia O'Banion. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Dad, I get, the dad is Alexis. The daughter is Alexis. We live in a new time, do we not, Doc? It is. Now, in 2011 and 2012, O'Banion was named Forbes 30 Under 30 list of important figures in technology. Now, Forbes recently estimated his net worth at around 70 million dollars. Now, if he'd have kept Reddit, 
he'd be worth a lot more than that. That's uh-huh. why they regret doing that. He's got an interesting blog, AlexisOhanian.com. AlexisOhanian.com. It's a you know I've I've went through and uh, he's really quite a good writer. I was I spent some time on his blog there. I, you know you you get to know the guy, so he's an interesting man in technology in that he would he he really wasn't a programmer. He was more of a visionary and he worked with programmers to develop uh, to develop tech companies. So there you go. Everything you want to know about Alexis Carey O'Banian, well, co-founder of Reddit. Doc, Open Door is a new way to sell your home. Skip oh. the hassle of listening, listing, showing in months of stress, and close on your own timeline. Get a wow. free offer today by going to opendoor.com. Wow. So, <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so there you go. Okay. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM. 103.5 FM HD2 and 103.9 FM HD2. More of the show in just a minute. Where did Reddit? If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Go ahead. Yes, thank it's you. All yours. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please sit down. Thank you so much. They're waiting for your cue, and they. You know, Jim, I had this word. momentary thought that this red light meant that it was off and that a green no. light should be on. No, it's for the past 14 <laughs> years, the red light means on the air. Thank you. See, You're that's welcome. why I'm a radio man in training. This <laughs> is not simply a classroom of the air. Or this is not no. simply a radio show. It's a classroom of the airwaves. Yes. And we have to assess whether our audience has been listening. We do that with a pop quiz. If you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get... Tickets to fine dining at one of our dining rooms, and you'll also get an A-plus for today's show. Earlier in the show, I talked about Alexis Carey O'Banian. He is co-founder and executive chairman of the social news website Reddit. 
Where did the name Reddit come from? If you know the answer to today's question, well, now's your chance to show us just how smart you are by picking up your device and giving us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. If you're calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're trying to contact the Ukraine from Canada, Call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. Anyone else anywhere else, including in the Ukraine, may call us on the ever non- Anyone else anywhere else, including Oops. in the Ukraine, Bad may call ad, us sorry. on the ever undependable, wonky, and sometimes monitored international <laughs> line, 877-936-39333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Schertz. Thank you very much. So let's talk about this Internet Explorer problem. Yes. Microsoft warned users that there is a critical vulnerability in Internet Explorer that allows a malicious actor to hijack your computer if you're running this program. All, all the victim has to do is visit a specially crafted website, and it's game over. The attacker can then install programs, view and change and delete data, or create new accounts with full users' rights. In other words, Microsoft is saying if you're still using Internet Explorer, you should really stop. The vulnerability could corrupt memory in such a way that an attacker could execute arbitrary code in the context of the current user. Now, if the current user is logged on with administrative user rights, an attacker who successfully exploits the vulnerability could take control of the affected system. Microsoft has noted that this vulnerability has been exploited mm. and it is actively in use. Now, in February of this year, a security researcher with, with, uh, with, with, a, with a security company urged that people stop using IE Internet Explorer as a default browser. I think it's, it's time to move on from Internet Explorer. I think a lot of us already have. I mean uh... – it worked. Google works for me, and and certain computers fire Firefox to stream video. So. Yeah, so I I like I like Chrome. I don't really like Edge so well, much. Chrome, yeah, yeah. I'm yes. really I'm really more. I'm, I've sort of moved on to Chrome. I tried yeah. to use Edge, but it it doesn't seem no. as, doesn't no. seem as fully developed as 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 Chrome. Uh, and I have used Firefox, but I but I think just Chrome, uh, but Chrome just seems faster to me, and it's a little it's a little sleeker design. So I've just sort of migrated to Chrome. I don't use. Oh I, well, I'll have to make one admit. I do have this favorites list, and and there and there's some tech sites that I know are safe. And my favorites list is an Internet Explorer. So when I go to those tech sites, I'll use Internet Explorer. But I'm thinking after this warning this weekend, I'm going to take and copy that favorites list and move it over to Chrome. I just don't think there's any reason for me to even go to a safe website with Internet Explorer. So there we go. Let's mm -hmm. go to um, now researchers started looking at the security of voting machines. And they, they did this as part of the DEF CON cyber conference. So some guys there at, at DEF CON, they went on to eBay and they bought about uh, about 20 voting machines. Now these are that were, you know, they're being sold by cities. These are these are voting machines that are in active use. And then at DEF CON, they let everybody try to crack them. <laughs> and the, the hackers found a whole number of flaws, including weak default passwords, shoddy encryption. The group says the machines could be hacked by anyone with physical access to them. That's the key, physical access. 
On the other hand, if a poll worker who doesn't know what he's doing makes a mistake and, a, and activates remote access, you could actually log into the machine remotely. That would be dangerous. Now, and they uh, and this summer we learned that key election systems may have been exposed online for months. They they, they went in and they, they they started looking around and there were some electorate some voting districts that didn't know how to configure their their machines and they left the online access available. Now that means they would be available to hacking. So I think with the 2020 election quickly approaching, the folks at DEFCON saying, "Look, guys, you better get your act together." Now. If you require physical access to the machines, I think that's really good. I think they should lock down so there's no remote access. They should have an absolute lock on these voting machines so somebody just can't meander in and put a USB in the in the in the drives. I think they've got to do some good physical security in these voting machines. This is a problem. Yes, you know what? Nobody's called yet. Okay, wait a minute. Let me rephrase that. We don't have a correct answer yet. So, or do we? No, we do not. We've had callers, no correct answers. Earlier, Why don't you ask the question Earlier again? in the show, I talked about uh, Alexis O'Hanian. He, of course, best known as co-founder of Reddit. Where did the name Reddit come from? And the number is 877-936-9333. So continue on, Dr. Schertz, please. Well, let's talk about a do, do an MP3 converter. I mean, okay. a lot of, you know you you know a lot of there will be like a song that you really that you really like, and it's it's in an MP3 video, and you say, gee, I'd I'd love to be able to uh, you know to, to to rip that to uh, no, it's it's in a YouTube it's in a YouTube video, and I said I'd, I'd like to rip that to to an MP3 so I could rip just, that tune. Listen to you, you're so hip. Tune. I know, so I could so I could basically put that in my playlist, and <laughs> and there and there are there are, there are some really good tools to do that. Now, what I have to Right, a warning is that it should be noted yes. that ripping audio from YouTube is a breach of YouTube's terms of service. There you go. So you're telling, and, and it could mind. potentially get you in trouble. Potentially, potentially get you in trouble. Now, not that I'm recommending these, but these are a couple of good options for those of people that that like to that like to be on that edge of just getting in trouble. <laughs> the the one is YTMPS. YTMPS is one of the simplest web tools. It's basically YT. No, Y. YTMP3, YTMP3, and the and and the link to it is YTMP3.cc. YTMP3.cc. This is really a simple tool. You you go to that web page. There's just a box there, and you just you basically just paste in the link to the YouTube um, audio, the, to, to the YouTube video that you've got, and then you say and you say that and you can choose MP3 or MP4 or both and hit convert. And it will pick which format is best for that particular YouTube video. Two minutes later, one or two minutes later, you'll have a file to download. There you go. That's ytmp3.cc. There's also another one. I mean, if you if, if you want to get into a high production line, and you know, and you want to do it faster, there's actually another one called Get YouTube. Get YouTube, and and this is kind of convenient because Get YouTube offers extensions which are available for Chrome, Firefox, Safari. And it's a basically, basically, it's a video downloader that downloader that makes it easy to download to an MP3 or MP3 format, and you and you you can also choose either high definition or standard definition uh, audio, so it, or video. So it's it's not a bad option, and that would be getyoutube.net. Those are two options that you have, but just remember, you may be violating the terms of service. You of very YouTube. well could be. So there you go. Guess what, Doc. We, we have somebody. Oh, very good. We have good. somebody who would like to play. The if game. you know the Wait answer minute, to today's question, he—you know what? He's such an air hog. Yes. You notice that? 
That's what we need. Yeah, there we, we go. We need that. Let's go to, let's see if I can do this right, because I can't seem to do anything right today. Let's go to line one. This is Ken, who is calling us from Laurel, Maryland. Good morning, Ken. How are you, sir? Okay, fine. Good. All right, Doc, good. ask the question. Early, early in the show, talked about Alexis Carey O'Banian, co-founder of Reddit. Where did the name Reddit come from? Yeah, it's a play on words. I read it. That is there correct. That is the correct answer. Ken, hang on just a second. We're going to put you back on hold, send you back over to one Andrew Mitchell, who will take your information and send you out the prize. It is Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2. You can watch us produce this mess by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. Google has built the most powerful quantum computer in the world. The Financial Times reported last week that it reviewed a paper by researchers from Google that indicates the company has built a 53-qubit computer and that it has achieved quantum supremacy. Uh Now, the paper was briefly posted on the NASA website, but has since been removed and is as yet to undergo peer review to verify its findings. Now, the report says that Google claimed their processors able to perform a calculation. This is for a particular complicated problem, and it was able to perform the calculation in 3 minutes and 20 seconds as a quantum computer. If that same problem were to be solved using the most advanced classical computer known as Summit, it would take approximately 10,000 years. Wow. Think about that. That's a lot. goes from 10,000 years to 3 minutes and 20 seconds. Mm. And so if you can take an algorithm um, and you can substantially improve what you could do with the most powerful conventional computer— that is called quantum supremacy. And this is the first time they've achieved such dramatic quantum supremacy. We need dramatic music. That's right. Which I can't find. 
Now, of course, it's only able to make one calculation, so it's still not a general-purpose computer. It's just basically designed for this particular calculation, a proof of concept that they could achieve quantum supremacy. But if we can get quantum computers working, it could lead to medical breakthroughs, including new treatments for in, you know, incurable diseases. It's got huge implications for artificial intelligence because if you could take and look at larger and larger data sets – to, uh, you know, to train these systems. And you can, instead of having to take, you know, a year to look at all the data, you, 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 you could, you, you could, do, you could, you, you know, you could analyze all the data sets in, in minutes. You could actually train these artificial neural systems, or these uh, artificial intelligence systems much faster. So this has enormous impact across everywhere. Now, people are particularly worried about encryption, mm-hmm. encryption, because encryption is ripe to be cracked by quantum computers. Now, now see encryption is really interesting. It's encryption is it's not it's not totally secure because it's not impossible to crack anything that's encrypted. In in theory, all encryption can be cracked given enough time. Now, the reason that we consider encryption secure is that it takes too long for traditional computers to crack it. So, if we take the uh, the current SHA-256 cryptographic hash, uh, you know, it might take, uh, you know, a thousand years to hack it with, with, you know, with the fastest computers now. And people are figuring, well, now that just takes so long to hack it, nobody's going to try it. But it doesn't mean that it's not possible to hack it. Now, that's why cryptocurrency experts, and then the same with cryptocurrency. You know, you've got all this, you know, like uh, Bitcoin and and this big cryptocurrency. That's all depending, that and they, they've got the... Um, you know they've they've got the blockchain and the blockchain is secured with um, you know with with cryptographic hash and if all of a sudden that that cryptographic hash can be broken instead of a thousand years three minutes all of a sudden even Bitcoin and all the digital currencies are done even all the encryption on the internet it's done you can't you, you wouldn't be able to do banking and so. This is a real problem. Now they haven't actually achieved uh, with a quantum computer breaking uh, breaking crypto crypto hashes yet. The SHA two fifty six cryptographic hash. They haven't broken that with a uh, with a with a quantum computer. But with the breakthrough that Google had this uh, this month, uh, the time is getting closer when they will be able to break that. And okay. so right now, researchers are trying to come up with new and new techniques that will actually not be breakable with with quantum computers. Okay. Saturday morning, you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. This is Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford 
Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. Now let's talk a little bit about batteries. Yeah. Now normally batteries, would that be like a boring topic? But I can tell you... Oh, I'm all over batteries, man. Yeah. I... <laughs> Wait a minute. So the thing with batteries is uh, they are the key to an effective electric car. True, yes. Ha- which has enough range and where the batteries don't wear out. And in the Journal of Electrochemical Society, the Journal of the Electrochemical Society, do you, you read that journal very often? I don't really. Uh, it's, I don't find it in many of the places where I <laughs> you know, frequent, like the uh, – never mind. <laughs> Well, Jim, it, it, I love it's found it. in fine restrooms all over the area. I just want you to know that there are no pictures in the Journal of the Electrochemical Society. Are only, you only, talking only down diagrams, to me? Only diagrams. Are you talking down to me? So they announced in that journal that uh, to the world that Tesla may soon have a battery that will make robot taxis and long-haul electric trucks viable. Yeah, okay. Now, the, the group uh, was, was led by Dr. Don, D-A-H-N. And his research group, that's Tesla's battery research partner. And Dr. Don said, cells of this type should be able to power an electric vehicle for over one million miles and last at least two decades in grid storage applications. So one of the problems with – one of the first problems with batteries is that you cycle them enough and they, they, they die out. So, yeah, right. So, you, so you've got to replace, say, the – the batteries in, say, your Tesla, you know, frequently, you know, maybe every, you know, I don't know how often, maybe every five years, but they're expensive. And so it would be nice if the batteries would last basically for the forever. You, you know, they'd last, you know, you drive a million miles. Well, you're probably not going to wear that battery out more than like. And so so they basically created a new cell to, uh, you know, to establish a benchmark, which will be a baseline for further research. Now, the key is what cathode material they, cho- they chose. See, we've got the lithium-ion batteries. So they chose a cathode material NCM523. Now, what that means is it's 50% nickel, it's 20% cobalt, and it's 30% manganese. Now, this is stable, and it's a great starting point for further developments. In addition, with this particular cathode, they have... They have a 24%, 20% higher uh, energy density in the battery, which means they can, they can, the batteries can be 20% smaller. So this actually is a real breakthrough. And despite all of uh, Elon Musk's tall talk, he does create innovation. And here's another example of his pioneering research going to make a big impact on, uh, on batteries. And if you notice, the other thing that Elon Musk is doing, because he does want to change the world, he's... He is actually supporting this research, but they are publishing the results so that other people can take advantage of it and improve it even more. Mm-hmm. Because he wants to make the best batteries for the world, not just for Tesla. Well, <laughs> did you hear this? I meant to send this to you. 
Tesla police car runs out of battery during high-speed chase. <laughs> this happened last week in Fremont, California, which this will not shock you, a suburb of San Francisco. <laughs> How do these people have enough money to buy Tesla police cars? I have no idea. It looks like, in fact, the story that I'm looking at in the New York Post, it looks like San Francisco or L.A. actually has a Tesla police car. He was involved in a high-speed chase, and he radioed <laughs> to his comrades, I'm down to six miles of battery on the Tesla, so I might lose it here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, that is, and I, and of course they don't tell you how this works out. But uh, I don't, uh, I don't think it worked out well. The suspect uh, hit speeds of 120 miles an hour. <laughs> I don't know how fast a Tesla can go. I don't know. I, they can go pretty fast. I listen when you know. I, I've got a friend with the Tesla. I was riding with him out in California, and mm-hmm. when, and when he puts the metal to the pedal, it just you know it just pushes the blood out of your face. <laughs> I mean that that has got high acceleration. It doesn't seem like an electric car. Really, that's interesting. But apparently it does affect its duration. And the other thing that was – see, now there's a green light over there. That means – that green light means that this studio is active. I see. That's what that – you see, know, don't worry about the lights. Worry about the show, right. okay? So <laughs> so the thing is I've got another friend uh, in, in Virginia that has a Tesla, and he's had it for uh, four years. Uh-huh. Zero maintenance. Really? He doesn't have to take it in for a tune-up or anything. I mean, it just—it's just an electric motor and a battery. So Interesting. He, so he doesn't, you know, there's no tune-up. I mean, he just changes the tire. You know, he just if the tires go down, so it's like zero maintenance kind of deal, and it will probably last a long time. The uh, so this guy had to pull over. The officer had to find a charging station out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to get the car charged up so he could get back to the police station. Yeah, that, doesn't sound too efficient to me. No, it doesn't. Um, so, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time oh, left yeah. here. Oh, yeah, let me just – okay, Google is using Google Translate to vet refugees. So what's happening right now is – because one of the things of vetting the refugees is they, they have to look at their social media sites. So they, they have to give login and, and credentials oh, really? and their social media. But the thing is, these are, these are people that, you know, speak another language. So they have to be able to read what the social media site is saying. So they're just using Google Translate. So they'll bring up the website, use Google Translate, translate it to English. And certain lawyers are saying, well, this isn't fair because it's not, it's not really a good translation and it doesn't actually handle dialect or colloquial language. But it's the best that they can do. And I do like Google Translate, actually. I know Listen, you we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And we'd like you to go to the Stratford University website, www.stratford.edu. Tell them that you heard about all of those great programs in health sciences, nursing, computer security, networking, on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.